Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head to head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash Potters in Control. So on Monday, we went road tripping with Roy Munson in 1996's Kingpin, which means today we're just tripping. As slacker icon the dude finds himself drawn into a world of kidnap in this stone noir comedy. But does it deserve its cult status from 1998? We're talking... The Big Lebowski. Wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. You know uh, that, or uh, his dudeness, or uh, Duder, or uh, you know El Duderino. If you're not into the whole brevity thing, are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Ah! Employed. You like sex, Mr. Lebowski? Is this your only ID? Ah! You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. Well, have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Kingpin or the Big Lebowski? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. This is not Vietnam. This is bowling. There are rules. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Oh, episode two of this week's Clash Potters in Control, Kingpin versus the Big Lebowski. Um, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah? I know you... I know, I've tried to... Do you know to... what, Mark? Sorry. Go on. I shouldn't... We, can we always cut this out if it's offensive to literally everybody listening? Yeah. He... I was like, oh, we're doing these films and then we Wait, did... Wait, can what? I stop you? Does I'm guessing... Yeah. That Mark, you'd think, the average person would think Mark would like The Big Lebowski, but knowing Mark, he doesn't like The no, Big Lebowski. No, he loves it. Does he? He loves it. But he said to me, I was putting on, because we've done the social network, and he's like, um, why are you doing all these good films? <laughs> and I said, oh, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. We're not picking them. And I, said, <laughs> and I was like, you know, and I said about that next week, and he's like, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I eventually, and he was so like pleased, and he's like, yeah, amazing. Oh, I can't wait for that. He's like, that's weird. Like he said, have you started listening to feedback? And I said, yeah, so kind of, yeah. And then I had to admit that every other people pick them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So he's um, he would never listen, but he's sort of on board now. So that's good after right. two and a half years. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> You're allowed to come now. Yeah. <laughs> not having to sneak to the podcast every week. <laughs> I'm just going to the shops, Mark. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. Uh, very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, if you'd be kind enough to do that on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, it would be massively appreciated by the three of us. And if you're able to give us a little rating or review, that'd be great as well. And if you do give us a review, it might get read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. Uh, this is from Sheep and Pig, who says... <laughs> <laughs> so we just leave it there? It, no review is going to get better than that. Sheep and pig says so, so many questions. Sheep and un, un, sheep and pig. Oh, that ruins it. Oh, that's not funny. Sheep and pig is funny. I think you only get so many characters though, so you got to give them. Some okay, slight, fair yeah. enough. Great yeah. chemistry, great knowledgeable uh, background on the films being covered. Yet some truly baffling opinions and results at times. Mm. I would drink with these people, and I do not like people. <laughs> Thank you, Sheep and Pig. Actually, that review ended better than it even began, which is quite something. Yeah, uh, baffle, yes, agreed. Uh, you probably don't know because you don't do social, but um, uh, some people are calling the unstoppable over speed win. Yeah. Uh, the new Deep Impact. Whoa. Mm. Okay. I know. Right then, on Monday, Chris ended up in the gutter with Kingpin, which means today V is in charge because she really ties this room together. Oh, thank you. V takes on journey. Is there anything more relaxing than smoking a J and rolling a few frames with your buddies? Is there anything more life-affirming than the dude so utterly at peace in his own skin? Is there anything tastier than a white Russian? Yes, you sick fucking hippie, it's called a black Russian. What kind of man-child pervert drinks his vodka with milk? Well, a man-child, actually, because although this film is ostensibly about kidnapping and extortion, it's really about how rich the human experience can be when you're friends with people completely opposed to you politically and emotionally, which is something I understand on this podcast. <laughs> And you proffer your whole self to the world like a child does, unselfconsciously, completely, and with the hope that your constant immature bickering will drive moderates to an early grave. Still, the dude abides. Apart from this film, was made pre-Trump era, pre-belligerently yelling at someone, am I wrong, became the meat and potatoes of modern debate. So actually, dude, an amped up version of Walter Subchak abides. Don't like that. Shut the fuck up. So is she Donald Trump in this equation? <clears throat> I, I think feel like so. Yes, she must okay. be, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Well, it makes well, sense. We're two liberals sitting over here, so I don't know. How are you <laughs> Hey, listen, opposed? I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to say something nice and sweet and genuine. Mm. It does. This film always makes me understand the value of friendship and that you can have such a life-affirming experience when you don't completely agree with the people you're friends with, which is something that we do tend to avoid these days in our echo chambers, etc. We don't agree on everything, do we? Chris Are you nervous of saying <laughs> that's a good point actually? We, we pretty much share a brain. <laughs> it's okay if it doesn't come back the other way. I give this love to you. Actually, I will say after about five pints, we don't agree on everything and what? it can get heated. <laughs> Who's good fun? Me and you. Oh god. No, it's never fun. Uh, no, you're right, it's not fun. It's never fun. It's never fun. <laughs> it's never fun. I was uh, yeah, that's nice. Thank you. Sorry, Victoria. Thank you for saying that. It's always an experience with you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> like I say, I give you that. I don't expect anything yeah, back. You know, fine. you know, it's all love. It's all. It's all love. So, how many times have you seen this film, Alex? Uh, this is the first time I've watched it all the way through because um, I've tried to watch it previously, and life's too short. Wow. What about you? <laughs> I have been on a long journey with this movie mm. so I watched it when it came out and at the time I had an up and down relationship with the Coens so I liked Blood Simple I didn't get Raising Arizona mm. I adored Miller's Crossing I didn't understand Barton Fink I was massively disappointed by the Hudsucker Proxy and I loved Fargo so I wasn't sure what to expect going into this one and I did not like it wow. one Bit. That's mad. Um, okay, this is interesting. And then, Sorry, I thought you were going to say completely the opposite. No, uh, but then about 10 years later, for some reason I was watching it with my dad. I don't know how that happened. Hi, dad. And I wasn't trying to follow the mystery that time. I was just enjoying the characters and the dialogue and I couldn't stop laughing. Mm. And I've loved it ever since, like properly loved it. And, and, it's also, and it's also taught me not to judge the Coen Brothers films. I think they change over time. Right. I don't know how. but um, And so the, like, I didn't like A Serious Man that people seem to love. But I'm mm. going to watch that again in 10 years and maybe I'll like it. I think, I don't know. Their, their films don't always reveal themselves immediately. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen it lots and lots and lots of times. This is the first time I've watched it and haven't been stoned, which is a different experience. Um, is that my mistake? Not yeah. smoking weed and watching it. I mean, it's so I watched the first time I ever watched this. Mark's video, blah blah blah. It would have been like 2002, so it's not that long after it came out, and I got it. Like I couldn't understand why it wasn't huge because I laughed my head off, and I've loved it ever since, and I've seen it like many times. Is it because it's self-indulgent tosh and? It really isn't that enjoyable if you're not baked. But this is the thing. I wasn't. I wasn't baked. I had two black Russians actually, and if you make them properly, they're quite strong. Mm. Um, so then I just found it all so brilliant. <laughs> once I've, again. I've, I've never watched it stoned. Of course you haven't. No, because you're an athlete. <laughs> or because you're a film journalist, and I don't, they, they obviously don't smoke <laughs> weed either. I'm not going to just be belligerent for this episode, and I've, I've done my little bit of like this is rubbish thing, and I don't obviously think it's rubbish. There is some spectacular stuff in here. Yeah. A good film, though, I do not think it is sure. for valid reasons, which we will talk about. No, that's that's good. That's interesting. Like I say, it's always enriching when you don't completely agree. Uh, anyway, right. So let's do a little bit of background. Um, I'm a bit nervous about saying I don't like this movie. I did a lot of reading around it. There's a lot of people. It is who, beloved. This is one of those films. Like it's like it's sacrilege. Do you know you do, Alex? You do you? You do. I you, always yeah. do. Yes, you do. I do. Yeah. Do you know there's a dude fest? I think it's called Dude Fest. The Lebowski Fest. The Lebowski Fest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's what I was reading about, and it suddenly scared me that <laughs> they were going. They won't they, come and get you though. They might mail because they no, they're exactly. Out. They're yeah. into dudism, yeah. which is like do nothing. Yeah. I am a pebble. Everything flows over me. Mm. He doesn't say that, but that's basically it. I'm also a pebble. It's sometimes. Taoism, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I sometimes I'm a very angry pebble, but I do try to be a pebble and just let it flow. Just let it flow. I don't believe that. I know you don't. <laughs> you have the look on your face. I've never seen you be I'm a pebble. A pebble. <laughs> I'm going to launch myself at that person. Pick me up. Pick up this pebble and throw me. <laughs> That's more like it. So, anyway, inspired by uh, the detective stories of Raymond Chandler, the Cohen brothers, they write The Big Lebowski. They are very taken with the idea of doing sort of a Raymond Chandler thing, but uh, and all those private detective tropes, but just having a stoner in charge of everything. But um, you might not know this for scheduling reasons. So, they really wanted John Goodman as Walter. He was busy on Roseanne. And so, for boring scheduling stuff, they do Fargo first. Mm. Um, 
So let's talk about the inspiration behind the character. I don't, I mean, there's not, I mean, because I'm not going to go into that. And then it was optioned because it wasn't because it was the Coen Brothers. And so that's not very interesting. So the dude, right? The Coens have got a friend called Jeff Dowd, who said he was known as the dude in sixth grade because it's a play on his last name, but he's also a massive stoner. Mm. Um, and they've got another friend called Peter Exley. Now, he also inspired Walter, but his biggest sort of way into the dude is that he, he had a rug <laughs> and he was at a party and every so often he would look down and he would say, doesn't this rug tie the room together? And everybody laughed their heads off. Have you ever been rug shopping? You two in real life? Because I've been rug shopping with Mark Parsons, who loves mm-hmm. this film, and it's near on impossible because you can't get, it's, it becomes quite grating to have, let's go and find a rug that really ties the room together several times a minute kind of thing in uh, John Lewis. I had a rug once. I got rid of it. Why? You've got hard floors. Yeah, well, but why do you need a rug? The hard floors are the selling point. Don't make me say it. <laughs> to tie the fucking room together. Are you mad? No, I think they're hard. They're hard. They're beautiful. I've got original floorboards down. Beautiful, beautiful things. I don't. I've got original them. floorboards. I've got a nice rug. We went rug mad, actually. We've got a rug in every room now. Really? Yeah, yeah. Not, That's too many rugs, isn't it? Because your dining area links directly to your living room. It's open plan. If you've got a separate rug in the dining area to we the living room. We don't have a rug in the dining well, area. That's yeah. fine. As long as the, you know, there's walking yeah. distance between each rug. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so that's the rug. There's quite a lot to get through in this film, Victoria. Sorry, yeah, I'll, um, I'll crack on. It's anyway. all right. I mean, is it a nice rug? What is it? I, I, I once, before I sort of would not buy one now, but I had a cowskin rug. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, so I was going for, basically, <laughs> I'll tell you what I did. I bought all the furniture and every accoutrement to go in the room that my local pub had. Wow. <laughs> because I wanted That's to so- recreate God, I love that. my pub in my house so I could have the pub experience at home. I am so jealous. I didn't know that about you. Mm. And I've once, there's a pub near me and the toilets, like the bad, I'm obsessed with pub toilets that are good. And I'm sat there and I think, fucking hell, I'd love this bathroom. And I've come out and I've told people I'm with, I'm like, I want that. And they're like, are you, that's a pub toilet. That's disgusting. But you're the same. Yeah, yeah. But you did it. I actually did it, yeah. The furniture was literally identical to the pub's furniture. That's brilliant. It was great. Also have a lot of their glasses, but they are <laughs> genuinely from the pub. <laughs> anyway, um, some uh, interesting trivia about Jeff Dowd. He actually was part of the Seattle Seven, um, and he was also part of a softball team, which the Coens are going to use, but then they switched it to bowling. And the reason they were into bowling is, these are my words, they liked the gender segregation <laughs> because they wanted a world where you don't spend time with women. You've got these very masculine worlds, which is the private dick and the cowboy and all the rest of it. Um, and bowling is also like that. Alex, do you know what Jeff Dowd produced movie-wise? Uh, do you know what? I've been reading about this movie all week and I keep seeing his name going, Jeff Dowd. But then I think I thought he was one of the Jackass team, which he is. No, no, he produced Fern Gully, the last rainforest. Oh, wow. <laughs> Weirdly. That's that another, makes sense. That's another movie you want to watch stoned. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Um, so Walter and Donnie were written for John Goodman and Steve Buscemi. This isn't true for the dude. Uh, Mel Gibson apparently was considered, which I do not want. I only want Jeff Bridges. Um, Walter was inspired by uh, John Milius, who is a very famous screenwriter for Dirty Harry and Apocalypse Now. And a terrifying man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Walter, a big, brash... Angry man. <laughs> angry, warmongering... Um, Conservative. Uh, who neo- loves guns. Conservative. He's a neocon. Yes, he is a neocon. He bloody loves guns. Yeah. So, yeah, you can see you can see where they got Walter. Yeah. Um, and then according to Julianne Moore, uh, so Maud, the artist, she's based on an actual artist called Carolee Schneeman uh, and on Yoko Ono, apparently. 
Um, and little did she know she was going to be inventing Madonna's English accent before Madonna was doing it. <laughs> it's a funny, yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure about it. I'm not completely sold on it. Uh, some other bits about casting. So before David Huddleston was big. But Lebowski, big Jeffrey Lebowski. There was Robert Duvall, Anthony Hopkins and Gene Hackman. That's all fine. I don't care about that. What I care about is that so Tara Reid is Bunny Lebowski, but also apparently Charlize Theron and Liv Tyler auditioned for that, which blows mm. my head off. Liv Tyler, fine, I get that. Charlize Theron. Yeah, like, she'd just done that two days in a valley where she was playing a character not dissimilar. Yeah. It just blows my mind if we think if you think about it now, like playing that role. So the the um, actually, I'll finish on some of the bad reviews because they're hilarious. Uh, let's quickly cover off and just see where you stand on this. Do you know about this fan theory? Which one? Aren't there numerous ones? I yeah. Well, this I think this is like one of the most enduring that okay. Donny is a ghost. Do you know that one? I did not know that one. So Donny is one of Walter's uh, Narn buddies who died, and he's got PTSD. Which he clearly does anyway, but he's got PTSD and he's got Donnie following him around as this ghost, and it's sort of his not his Jiminy Cricket, but kind of. Okay. And the the dude indulges it because he doesn't want to upset Walter. It's quite nice, and it sort of works because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't he doesn't talk to anybody. It, else. I mean, it's bollocks, but whatever. Yeah. You see, things like that make me like the movie more. Why? It's bollocks. Okay. <laughs> Donnie's a great character. Okay. Now I feel like I'm in the room with mum and dad yeah. and they're arguing. Yeah. Hey, Chris, can we do this when Alex is this in This is bed? bringing up a lot of trauma. You talk about PTSD. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> why are you fighting again? <laughs> Who's fighting? You two. Now you're gaslighting him. Oh my God, I thought you were fighting. I'm not fighting with anyone. Okay. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I'll just go back to my room. <laughs> you saw nothing. So, as we are all aware, this was a bit. This was a flop. Um, on its opening weekend, it made five million dollars against a fifteen million budget. Uh, little trivia for you, Chris. What was the biggest opening weekend of nineteen ninety eight? What film? Don't know. Uh, Armageddon. Uh, no, weirdly, Godzilla. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, really. According to Wikipedia, I don't yeah, think it was heard huge. Of it. I swear that In terms that of Armaged- opening weekend, not... It doesn't oh, matter. Oh, opening yeah, weekend. But yeah. Armageddon went on to make more than Godzilla. That's yeah, wasn't, the, that that was... wasn't the question. Oh, yeah. right then. Okay. It's not a quiz at the moment. It's a conversation, <laughs> so it's different. People can discuss stuff. It's not right or wrong. Why are you so confused, <laughs> dude? This is exactly like my parents arguing now. <laughs> my dad used well, to... because he's got personal. Well, it's because he just went, hey, don't be, don't be so angry, dude. <laughs> Why are you saying that, dude? dude. Don't call me dude. <laughs> Please, Dad. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to quickly read because I find this. I mean, this might be personal. I don't. I didn't. I didn't realize how that you weren't a big fan of it, Alex. And I didn't realize, Chris, that you didn't like it when you first saw it because I've not. just always just straight out loved it. Um, so I just went through some of the reviews at the time because I just still can't believe it. Um, the Big Lebowski is ultimately too clever for its own good. There are more ideas, more wacko side characters, and more plot curly cues than the film can support, and inevitably it deflates from having to <laughs> shoulder too much. Uh, the Coens can't be bothered to make a connection between what's inside their smart Alec heads and the painful world in which the rest of us live. Madness. Even Bridges can't open up a character who remains unconscious. I mean, I don't disagree with some of those. Um, I found one from Gene Siskel, um, which I, I'll probably save some of it till the end. But uh, he says the Jeff Bridges character wasn't worth my time. There's no heart to him. The Big Lebowski, a big disappointment. Not a great line to end on, but I do mm, well, agree. It's Gene Siskel, so who cares? Right. But there's, I find the dude, like, I do not understand this love for him. He is uh, quite a, 
not unlikable, that's too strong a word, but he's not a character you sort of, you're invested in, that's the word I was looking for. I'm certainly not invested in his journey or whether he succeeds or not. And I also find his relationship with Walter a real struggle. I do believe that genuinely, if their relationship, Walter and the dude's relationship, was a beating heart of this movie, then all these offshoots of crazy characters, weird scenarios, musical numbers that it has... If you kept coming back to that relationship and were truly invested yeah. in their journey together, this would be a great film. You're not, and so therefore I'm not. Yeah, I mean, it was originally written like that. It was meant to. If the idea, the sort of the seed of the idea, was Walter and the dude and their relationship, and then it sort of span out and became this more, you know, mm. adding on this elaborate plot, which I think you need. I mean, genuinely, there are not enough scenes where the dude appears to actually like Walter. He's yes. asking him to do stuff or they're bickering and not in a funny way. The dude seems genuinely angry with Walter a lot of the time. See, I think he seems tolerant. I don't. I know. He's shouting at him. I yes, was, he is annoyed. You're right. I was interested to realise I wasn't in a minority with how I felt about it, how I changed that, because the Washington Post 10 years ago got a bunch of critics who gave the film bad reviews to re-review it. Yeah. And most of them liked it. Yeah. They changed their minds. And I don't know if it is that thing that I said. where you, Some of the, the reasoning fir- was terrible. The though. first time you're, you watch it, you're, you're following the plot and it's so complicated and it doesn't really go anywhere and it doesn't resolve itself in a satisfactory way that it's a problem. You come out of it un, unsatisfied. Yeah. Whereas when you realise, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Which is a weird thing to do. You walk into a movie and you, you're like, they should put on the poster, don't try and follow the plot. It's not about that. They, I they, mean, don't, they don't really care though. That's well, not that's what, what the, 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 the Coen brothers aren't there to try and make, to try and hold your hand. They're not there to hold your hand. They wanted to tell this story. But they're not telling a story, really. They're not telling a it's story. It's a brilliant and they didn't, they story. Didn't, they didn't want to tell a story. By Joel Cohen's own admission, they said the, pro- the plot would be a bit confounding for most viewers on the first watch. It's sort of secondary to the other things that are going on in the mm. piece. So they didn't even really care about the story. And yet it's a brilliantly, like this time I was really <laughs> concentrating on the plot and it's a brilliant plot. It's so clever. It just doesn't have that <laughs> satisfying ending where... Yeah, they sort it, of forget about it. Yeah, you, you, he doesn't get his rug back. Joel Silver, <laughs> Joel Silver gave them a note saying he should get his rug back at the end. You and, should and, just see a shot of a rug <laughs> rolled up in the bowling alley. And they, and they said it, it was a good note. Maybe we could have done that, but the film wasn't about that. Yeah, you're dropping in on this life for a bit of time and you're supposed to feel, you know, you're quite grateful to be along for the ride kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Which again, to go back to my point, is fine if there is someone to invest in. Like they can be doing anything, but you're invested in them. Uh, So therefore you don't need a plot because you you want to see this character get into all sorts of scrapes. And the dude isn't that character, I'm sorry. You don't have to apologise. You're you're literally the only person in the world that thinks that, so it's fine. I think there's more. (laughs) Okay. I think you'll be surprised. <laughs> you might <laughs> I sound, sound like an anti-vaxxer now. There's more of us than you think. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that. Okay. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I do. Do you want to talk about it? Fucking <laughs> hell, here we go. All right, Mum. Dad, can I come up to your side of the room? Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> All right, so Sam Elliott, who is obviously the cowboy, mm. he wants us to meet Jeff Lebowski, a.k.a. the dude, and he wants to tell us a story. So pretentious. About a hero. Ugh. But you see, you know, yeah, it, it could be very pretentious. Oh, let me tell you about a hero. But then you see the hero and he's in a dressing gown. No, so- having him as the narrator, like yes. uh, like the stranger. It's like, I get it. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, what is it? The big sleep or something. It's yeah. Big, it's just like, um, it's just a bit like, ugh. Hearing that voice is lovely, though. What yeah. a lovely way to open the film with Sam. So soothing. <laughs> Sam Elliott talking. It's a great yeah. voice. And but- he's got some really funny lines as well. No. 
Um, he was film. a bit confused as to why he was in the film. There it is. Good. I mean, because I suppose the Coen's got, we just want different types of masculinity. So here you are. You're the cowboy. Crack on. And they me. said his big moustache meant they could move his lines around. You couldn't see his, his <laughs> lips moving. <laughs> Handy. Um, I love the fact that, oh, I like the fact he's in a dressing gown in a supermarket, but he's got the half and half that he needs for his white Russians, but he's sniffing the half and half. So that to me is much more character because he won't accept off milk. Which is good because you think our stone doesn't give a shit about that sort of thing. Put it in the fridge. But I mean, (laughs) (laughs) don't leave it on top of the drinks cabinet. Oh, yeah, that's gross. Weird. That is gross. I think it's better than when he makes it with powder later at Maud's flat, though. (laughs) I think you answered this question earlier, but did you ever go through a white Russian phase? I will not go through it. I do not drink milk and I won't drink milk. I drink milk in tea and in coffee, but not a glass of milk. I would never drink a glass of milk. I miss a white Russian. I used to drink them. and when the milk hits the Kahlua, uh, it looks like a fucking galaxy forming in space. Yeah. It's a beautiful mm. sight to witness. And they're delicious. I can't do lactose anymore, so they're off the menu. Okay. Mm. I did not when I was about 15, so it was about the time I was watching this, because it was like drinking a Coke float. It Gorgeous. was quite exciting. Kahlua, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, love, I wouldn't touch I one Kahlua. now, though. <laughs> really? Uh, I wonder if you can make them with oat or almond milk. Let's find out afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely do white Russians at the famous cock. (laughs) (laughs) Tell everyone where we go. By saying it on the show, I'm meaning we have to go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) We could do without it. We could do without it. Mark's got a drink because he was he was drinking white Russians. He used to drink white Russians whenever we've watched this, and I was like, "That's vile." But now he's moved on to a brandy Alexander, which I what's what is it? I call it his dignitas drink. I think this is the thing you have at the. It sounds like something to see you off like over the threshold to me. It's cream, chocolate liqueur, Kahlua, and a sprinkle of nutmeg. And I was like, if you had one of them in the bath, I would call an ambulance. I'd be fucking nervous. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I can't do cream, but man, that sounds great. Yeah, I know. Does it work with soy cream? <laughs> so anyway, this is one of the things in the film that I think is it doesn't I I wanna be like, oh, I'll just accept it. But if we're if we're gonna analyze things, mm. the voiceover says that the dude is a man for his time and place. Now, is it because I'm watching it in 2022? Because Walter is the man for the time and the place now, like the world that we're in now. Not without without sort of, you know, hand wringing, like the dude did not abide. But also the dude is a refugee from the 60s and so is Walter in the 90s in this film. So the dude isn't the man for his time and place. What do you think? I mean, <laughs> no. uh, I was sort of already angry listening yeah. to Sam Elliott's voiceover. But um, is it not just sort of saying... He was the right... Put, you know, oh, for the plot? Yes. Oh, I see, I see. Not in terms of, like, thematically. I don't think so, no. Oh, OK, fine. Because, because he's... Yeah, in, in, in that context, I mean, I kept writing down why do people keep paying him? He's the worst man for this job. Why do people keep paying him to do this job? But they're but, not really paying him, are they? Um, He's offered money for all these these jobs. Jackie Treehorn initially offers him money. Right. Um, he thinks that Maud offers him money mm. and he thinks Lebowski, uh, the big Lebowski is offering money. We didn't realise until the end that it was all a big con. But um, he sort of, but then maybe he is the right person for all those situations. Yeah. He, he does have the skills mm. to sort of navigate and he's the one that says right from the word go, Bunny wasn't kidnapped. Yes. I mean, he gets it, doesn't get it 100% right because he said she's kidnapped herself. But, he knows she hasn't been kidnapped, so he was right from the start, okay. but no one would listen to him. So maybe he was the right 
person in the right place. So sort of like I'm gonna I'm gonna I am gonna talk about the plot, but obviously we're gonna go on these little side roads into the characters because the, as the Coens have said, the, the, although the plot is kind of all consuming, it's actually not that important because it's like life. We don't know where we're going or who we're meeting and who's going to be important and who isn't. Beautiful. It's like life. It is like life. <laughs> so anyway, uh, after so there's a case of mistaken identity. Our dude's rug is soiled and he's initially a little bit disgruntled about this. So we go bowling and we meet Donnie and we meet Walter. And now, last week on The Social Network, I looked that scene with Mark Zuckerberg and Erica Albright where they, you're establishing the character, you're establishing who Mark Zuckerberg is and the script is moving like at 200 miles an hour. I think of this scene as the, in, with the same love in mm. that you establish the characters. The amount of swearing is awesome. Oh, I got a fact for you there. This is the 29th uh, movie on the list of movies in the English language with the most swearing in. 29. Number 29, yeah. Would you like to know some of the others on the list? Are they Tarantino films? Uh, no, actually, weirdly enough. Uh, number three is The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, lovely. Mm. Number four <laughs> is Uncut Gems, which I don't need to watch because you told me the ending. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Two years after it came out. <laughs> number seven is Casino. Uh, and the only one really of note is another Scorsese at 19, Goodfellas. Ah. Oh, it's number oh, 29. Yeah. Great list for me, great list. As a committed swearer, I think it swears beautifully. Um, anyway, so th- I just love that scene. It's all it- on the page as well. Apparently yeah, yeah. there's very little ad-libbing. Jeff Bridges said he'd occasionally try and throw in an extra man or a fuck and then he there's was like, no he just time. doesn't sing as well as the dialogue yeah. on the page. It's so good. There's only one line that was improvised in the whole film um, that they kept in which was when he calls the Big Lebowski a human paraquat at the end. That Jeff Bridges made up. What's a paraquat? Don't know. Didn't look it up. Chris? Uh, It's a half man, half parrot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Okay, cool. (laughs) Good answer, though. Good answer. You'd get points for trying. So let's talk about Walter then. Uh, Because, so the Big Lebowski, he won't pay for the rug and we've met Brandt. Um, Oh, there's a character. I see, I'm not mad about Brandt. See, this is the thing. To me, because he feels like a, a, a comedy character or a creation. He feels like some, like, I get what Brandt is. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman is Brandt. See, that, it's so weird that you don't like that. And to me, he's one of the best things I in the film. I don't think it is, because I think if you ask anyone what their favourite Coen Brothers film is, almost everyone will say a different film. Yeah. And it's the same with it. Like, what's, who's your favourite character in this film? Most people will say something different. Like, they've got a, something for everyone, and it's not going to be for everyone. I do have to say, the moment when. Uh, skipping ahead a bit but when the dude goes back to the Big Lebowski's house and Brant says he's in the West Wing and throws the doors open but then bows his head and Mozart is playing that's very very funny everything Philip Seymour Hoffman does is funny in (laughs) this film absolutely 100% but Walter so Walter obviously let's just preface this by saying I love Walter why? yeah exactly why It's it's a mystery not because of his character it's a like Walter I started off going okay I like Walter, but it grates so much. His character grates. By the end, you're just like, it's this again. It's shouting and being angry in an outburst. And you're just like, it's tiresome. No, I think it's because he's so obviously vulnerable from the offset that I feel a lot of sympathy for him. See, I didn't get that at all. I didn't see that vulnerability at all. And at the end, this hug that he gets from the dude after oh, putting... No. Love it. You see, that's that's when I was like, so this when, is where I should so, feel something. So, and when I'm he just shouts, like, so when he 
shouting, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, <laughs> over and over to a child. <laughs> you didn't find that funny? I really didn't. I, I really didn't. I was just like, oh, more This is what noise. happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. <laughs> Do you know about that, though? So uh, the Coens actually dubbed it themselves for TV. Um, oh, okay. And uh-huh. they got John Goodman to read some lines. And the lines, they're actually very funny. The lines that they chose for cable in the US when the p- film plays, instead of uh, fuck a stranger in the ass, it's this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> <laughs> That's one. <laughs> and the second one is this is what happens when you feed a stoner scrambled eggs. <laughs> What a fun day's work that is. Imagine getting paid to do that. Imagine turning up. We've got John Goodman here. John, this is the line. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Go. Um, Then let's have a break on that high note. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This week, Clive Anderson is joined by comedian Stephen K. Amos on My 7 Wonders. The show where guests select their personal seven wonders of the world. Stephen discusses his fame down under, who inspires his comedy, and how he got on during lockdown. 
my dad, early 80s, came to stay with me for two weeks of the lockdown. I had no idea after all these years that he is a twat. I had no idea, Clive, that the heating in my house could be set to lava. And I said to him, why is the heating on so high? And without skipping a beat, he just said, I don't pay the bill here. Now, this <laughs> is it's the kind of thing I have to deal with. Listen to My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is that as like yeah, yeah. this is what happens when you This find... is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> Simon and Edgar put all those on their DVDs, all their all their alternates that they have to it's do. Very they funny. spend a whole day coming up with funny shit. That's all, yeah, if you can get money to do that and <laughs> stretch it out. Gonna need a couple of hours, boys. Day at least. <laughs> <laughs> But when so when Walter pulls the gun, I don't like people that do that. I don't like people that react violently or angrily to a very you know a nothing situation. So are you? But I'm laughing when he's happened, and I'm not scared. But I do feel sad for the person that's accused of cheating. Smokey, it's one amazing thing, isn't it? Like you get like the Coens do give a character like three lines and maybe 30 second screen time yeah. and you're like I get that character entirely they are brilliant why aren't they in a movie and, more and he's yeah. one of those um, people that he is in a huge country and western star called Jimmy Dale Gilmore who didn't act mm. and they were like you're smoky <laughs> and he's fantastic <laughs> he and he is. doesn't have to say or do anything yeah beautiful voice He's good, and it's genuinely one of the funniest lines that I did at the at the very top, which is, "This is not Vietnam. This is bowling. There are rules." That's funny. There, there's not enough of those. How do you feel about that line. dog not being a Pomeranian? That's fu- actually sorry. That's hilarious. Oh shit! I wrote that down as well. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a Pomeranian, and then a, not a Pomeranian comes out of the box. Oh, I missed that because I don't know anything about dogs. Oh. I just thought it was. I don't. I just know that that's not Pomeranian. <laughs> just silly stuff like that. Yeah, it's great. It is good. Um, so skipping over a bit of plot, but because... that could be in Kingpin. That gag. Yes, so lots yeah, of these gags fair. could be in Kingpin. Yeah. Ooh. Um, let's talk about uh, John Turturro as Jesus Quintana. Um, yeah, it's I, most you... lovable pederist in the world. I had to look up the difference between a pederist and a paedophile. I thought it was just the American way of saying paedophile. It is not. Yeah, for the for work. <laughs> <or>? <laughs> You say that. <laughs> it's very. I don't think I've ever typed paedophile into Google search. You don't think before. you've ever. Why would you? But no, it's like. Yeah, I, I wonder. Checking the spelling. Yeah, more. sometimes you have to check the spelling. Yeah. It's, um, I've written it. I've written yeah, it. Yeah, it's, but it's you. You suddenly go fucking just hard drive. How yeah, where's this? Where's this going? But yeah, um, it's it's quite. It's it's actually incorrectly used in the film because okay. a pederast is someone who's actually had sex with a child. Whether a pe- whereas a paedophile is someone who we is, would like to. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. So. But then John Goodman calls him a pederast, but he's only exposed himself to a kid, which I think. Ooh, makes let's not. Let's not. Not only. Not diminishing that. Big deal. It's a big deal for anyone. It's a, it's a the strange. Kid especially. It's a strange thing. The kid especially. Yeah. Not forgetting the kid. <laughs> Let, let's, let's talk about the kid. The kid in that situation is the big loser. It's making a big impact on that kid. It's or a, a small impact. It's I a strange know. thing that a character that has done such a terrible thing can be so lovable in this film. Yeah. My heart starts racing when Hotel California by oh. the Gypsy King starts up because oh, I know right. I'm about to see Jesus. Yeah. And he's not a good person. No. 
And I, I mean, I do. I like him because I like his purple one piece, and I like his little his, the way he moves his hips. But when, he, but also the scene is going his way. Like he's going to steal the whole thing, but then John Goodman pulls it back, and it's not. I mean, he didn't write it, but the line is like, no, 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 dude, he's a sex offender. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, he they undid that though. The the sort of unofficial Big Lebowski sequel, the Just Jesus roles. I've, well, I've watched I haven't it. Watched oh, it. I've watched it because I because I love this character so much. Don't love him, um, but I find this character so. And yes, as you say. It's a terrible. I said I thought it was awful, but yeah, they undo it that it was. It was he was he, framed. He, yeah, he didn't do it. So, so they didn't make a movie about a pederast, which no, is okay. No, exactly. People tend because not to they were that's, like, that's how I ended up doing so much reading about it because I was like, I wonder how they they made yeah. this fly and yeah. they basically undo it. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. not good. But um, in terms of his performance, the Cohen said it's a pretty vivid characterization based on the amount of screen time he has. He went for it. Yeah. He did. But didn't they'd he? seen him in a play, hadn't they? Playing basically that character, and they went, "Come on board and do that in our movie." Yes, and yeah. it's a weird thing because um, he's the, Jesus is not Italian and John Turturro <laughs> is very Italian but yeah. you know you might not cast it that way now. You wouldn't do it now. No. Yeah, he says when he watched the movie, I didn't even get the movie when it came out. When I saw it, mm. I thought Jeff oh, Bridges feel, was great but it went over my head. Okay. And on the fourth watch he said he loved it. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I know you're lying just because I know what he's doing he's trying to um, undermine my argument um, that John Turturro John Turturro said it's taken me many years to get the film it wasn't until the fourth time when I watched it with my son mm. okay. oh hang on I've got a later quote here John Turturro said having watched it with my son I watched it again and I really didn't get this movie or the appeal so, yeah that was a slightly later quote <laughs> just deal with it man just deal with what it what is happening with just, you two? just enjoy is being wrong is it, this is, I top this off by saying it's enriching when we don't all get on and then you were like, oh, we've got one brain and then it turned out you don't have one brain and now you can't get over that. I'm finding it's exciting. It's really interesting. It's an interesting episode. Well done, Victoria. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Please put that on a T-shirt for me. Anyway, let's talk about Julie Ann Moore as Maud. Um... So the oh, creepy. Plot, yeah, I mean plot plot plot. They've messed up the drop and then Maud's there. I don't think it's creepy. I think this joke belongs in Kingpin because when she's talking to the dude and she's like, I'm an artist, my work is strongly vaginal, and you're supposed to go, ha, she said vagina. And that to me is just a it's it's childish. There's nothing wrong with being childish, but it feels I just watched Kingpin, so it feels is a bit it, like it belongs there. I don't know. I think it's a fair representation of that kind of artist. I think, you know, that's what that character would do. But you're supposed to laugh at her. Do I you think. think I mean I think she I think it, it it basically goes, we're nailing this character and exactly this kind of what this kind of artist uh she is. Okay, so you're supposed to laugh at her. Because I thought you... I was ready to be more, uh, no pun, bowled over by her, impressed the force of her character. When okay. she's... The way she's so unapologetically in her body and things like that. And then she's like, oh, you know. I don't know. I, I sort of viewed it as like, you know, the way artists talk, like especially because she's from money as well. So it's not clear when she's come to art and indeed yeah. whether she's come to it late. And That's so true, yeah. is being quite pretentious about her art, but really she's just a person who doesn't have to work. So has declared herself an artist. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so now I'm back to Walter. Now this will happen a lot in this film because the dude necessarily is a reactive character because he's stoned. Mm -hmm. It's Walter that, well, Walter drives the plot forward because Walter says, you know, go and get, you know, reparations for your rug. But things that happen in the film that sort of stick out, maybe just for me on this unit, it's, it's mostly Walter. So um, 
he's talking about the nihilists and then he says, fuck me. I mean, say what you want about the tenets of national socialism. At least it's an ethos. Mm. And it's like, that is funny. But that's so... I mean, Walter identifies as Jewish, so that adds another slant to it. But you, it's, it's a, I laughed my head off at the time in 1998, but it's a little bit more of an uncomfortable laugh now because the world has changed a little bit. And someone's saying, say what you like about Nazis, but at least they were fucking organised, which is basically what he's saying, or they believed in something. Mm. It, it plays differently today. Yeah, but it's Walter saying it, so it doesn't matter. I mean, we're laughing at Walter. Yeah, but it's hard because for me on this unit, I've loved Walter more than ever. I felt, I felt more sort of, I wanted him to be all right and all the rest of it. And then he said, but it's on purpose. Then he says things like that and you think, mm. oh, that's bad. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not as all right as you, I mean, yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not as all right as you want him to be. Yeah. I mean, do you want a toe? I can get you a toe. <laughs> You went by three o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I can get it with nail varnish on. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so a bit more plot, plot, plot. Larry Sellers, this kid, he might have the money because his homework is found in the car. Um, and then the that's ca- a real story. That, yeah, yeah, apparently. Again, Peter X like. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, then someone else who was a private detective, and they found this. Yeah, the homework. I mean, I, I don't. I like it because of destroying the wrong car and all the rest of it. But in, and the kid is funny. Whoever he is, he plays Larry. The kid, that's very. Funny. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have to do a lot. No, but I mean, still. <laughs> um, but my favourite bit here, so we go back to the bowling alley and then the cowboy is there and he's sort of meeting the dude and talking and through. And this is what this is what this film is to me at this point, which is about like the types of man, which I mean in the nicest possible way. Hmm. Um and the, a cowboy is obviously a trope and a type of man. And he and he plays it so straight and he's like, you know, ordering the sarsaparilla and all the rest of it. And that type of man seems like he has armour, like he would never fail and he would never be comical and he would be, you know, an upright man, a, a, whatever, a, like a wall, basically. Mm. And then when the cowboy gets up from the bar to walk, I think he's going to... He goes to, the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, he goes the wrong way. <gasps> yeah. I never noticed it's that. It's so perfect because it makes him seem real and fallible <laughs> and it makes you love him more. Yeah, it's so I've got, good. I've got to watch it again now. Yeah. It's a weird moment because I, I genuinely thought because of all those reasons like Sam Elliott had made a mistake and yeah. he like and I was like was that scene so perfect they were like we can't shoot it again so we're just going to have to keep it in where you Maybe, go the wrong yeah, way yeah who knows but it's, it's a, I, no I think you're right this, it, ma- yeah. this made me laugh let me just play this thing that Cohen's explaining uh, that character Sam Elliott would actually ask us for direct, like what am I doing in this movie yeah well, Sam was like, I don't know what I'm doing here boys <laughs> happy to be here don't get me wrong but... <laughs> We didn't yeah. have anything to tell Sam. We didn't know either. <laughs> but, you know, didn't hurt his performance any. But that's the kind of direction <laughs> he was getting. See, what is that? Like, it's that. I think it's that, really, that annoys me the most. It is that sort of flippancy yeah, I think about it. It's of like, success. we don't really know. Yeah. We just sort of, like, threw a few funny characters together in the mix. The story doesn't make sense. They even said afterwards, I think in 2009, they were talking to MTV or someone, and they were like, you know, this means, uh, basically, the sentiment was, this film means a lot more to people than it does to us. Mm. Like they were very dismissive of yeah. the idea. It's, it's of, weird. The cult that's grown up around that's, it. It's, that what ge- it's what genius looks like. It's it's oh, it comes up. in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> shut up, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, no. back to the plot for a second. So the dude gets drugged by Jackie Treehorn. Yeah, all tapes and You guys. <laughs> Honestly, why is he doing? Why did he say that? It's both of you. It's it's not Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Quantana. Anyway, (laughs) idiot. Uh, unbelievable. I think you're build you're building to a hug, so we'll get there. Um, anyway, so the dude is well, drop your and- ashes over a cliff, then we'll hug. Listen, what? If, if you- <laughs> do you see? I just 
<laughs> because it's the end of the genius movie that we're talking about. Okay. Yep. You will, A, you will not be in charge of scattering my ashes. I fucking hope. I really hope. You never know. You never know. The way things are going. <laughs> I just feel that maybe I'm going to be the one standing in Blackburn. This is, this me is and you. Me and you. Into a river. <laughs> into the canal. Just this me and you. Yeah, no one else there. Yeah. Mark, do you want to come? Mm. I don't know. Is it, I haven't yeah. seen her in such a long time. <laughs> 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 was it Vicky? Yeah. Yeah. Did, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah did, you, did you call her kids, Grace? I thought you were calling was that, them. Was that my first or second wife? <laughs> no, he won't marry me. You know this. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. I'm yes, just yes, going to yes, get... Sorry. I'm going to have to go because I'm going to have to get my helicopter and leave. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah, gold helicopter. <laughs> What a lovely thought. So anyway, so you've got the Busby Berkeley dance sequence, which I used to hate when I was stoned. I hated it mm, because it went on it. too long and I wanted to get back to what the characters were doing it. But drunk, I liked it. Of course she so, did. Oh, there you go. The song's great. It's amazing. Mm. Um, they played a prank on him as well. When he's going through all those women's legs... Uh, all those women got big fake bushes to put hanging out of their knickers. Is that true? Yeah. Merkins. They were <laughs> wearing merkins. Yeah. Okay. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. Did they have their fresh beginnings sprayed around their merkins? <laughs> new beginnings. New beginnings. <laughs> Sorry, it should be fresh beginnings. New beginnings. <laughs> it's new beginnings. Of course it is. Anyway, my only gripe with this scene is I wish Jeff Bridges was a better dancer. Because of Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder, I have the bar is quite high for stuff like that for me post when I saw Tropic Thunder. I think and he dances better. Better here than Tom Cruise. Than I do not Thunder. think that. No, I don't. I think he's nearly there and it's in line with his character, but it'd be so awesome if he just could loosen up a little bit more. Apparently, this was the scene where the, the only argument the Coens had during the whole movie whether he should smile or grimace before he hit the pins at the end of the alley after going through the women's legs. I think they should have probably argued a bit more about other things in the film, no. more important things <laughs> like the film. No, but then it might have been worse and it couldn't be. It's too good. Uh, so the dude and Maud sleep together and she is having a little joke with him and she's pulling her legs up to help with conception. <laughs> so he does a spit take when he sees her doing that, but then he just seems cool with it. Like, he's not going to judge her. <laughs> because she says, I don't want you to be involved in the child in any way. That's yeah. when he switches. He's worried yeah. until she goes... I don't, I don't want you around. I don't want anyone I know to be the father. That's why yeah. I've picked you. And then, then he relaxes because he doesn't have to raise a kid. Yeah, it would that... affect his laid back lifestyle having a little kid. But then I suppose that makes, because I thought I was reading it very generously and I thought he's all right. He doesn't want to raise the child. I understand that. But the idea that the child will just be out there that is yours is stressful and weird if you're completely disconnected. So maybe he was just like, I will interact with the child on your terms kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. It was like, you don't want me to have anything to do with this child? Fantastic. That's yep. weird. Oh, Agreed. really? Really? Oh, then I don't Agreed. like that. Oh, I don't like that. It's a good moment. Um, so, uh, where are we? A bit more plot. So it the- is quite funny. The idea that like he's worried... And, like, someone is, like, a woman is potentially pregnant with his child and what chills him out is the fact it won't affect him whatsoever. That's yeah. quite funny. Yes. I just, I didn't read it like that, <laughs> which is a shame. Uh, plot, plot, plot. Uh, the dude cracks the case. The ringer that they threw was for a ringer and the big Lebowski is going to keep the money and he doesn't want Bunny back. And then we're building to the fight in the car park. Did you, did you notice, I know you've covered the uh, Jackie Treehorn dance sequence. Yeah. Uh, did you recognise the actor who plays Jackie Treehorn, the pornographer? 
Bangazara. Mm, what film have we done him oh. in? It took me a while because I was like, he looks very different in this, although he doesn't, but he does. Is it, it, is it Roadhouse? It is Roadhouse! Oh, no. Brad Wesley. Along with Sam Elliott. Yes, of course. No, I would never have got there. It's a roadhouse reunion. Now I like the movie. It's a roadhouse (laughs) reunion. I liked, you know, in that tracky Jackie Treehorn scene when he does the pad trick to see what's been written before and it's just a drawing of a big cock. Mm -hmm. What I like about that, which I hadn't noticed before, is he nevertheless folds up and puts it in his pocket. Yeah, he likes it. (laughs) Or I guess in this film, in this world, that could actually be a clue. Yeah. You don't know where it's going. (laughs) Because what is, is that joke like, you think it's going to reveal something. A but phone it's... number, yeah. But why would... Okay. He's a pornographer and he was just drawing a cock. Right. Yeah, you're in a detective story, so it's supposed to be a clue, but yeah, that's mm. his business. I did enjoy seeing um, David Thewlis pop up. I didn't like it. I found it... It took I me know. out of everything. I liked seeing David Thewlis pop up. I didn't like the scene. Do you know the uh, Cohen's thinking behind that scene? Exposition. Exactly. They had too much exposition in the scene, so they were like, we'll just put a character in um, who's just laughs a lot, like one yeah. of Maud's accomplices. Yeah. Well, it's the same with the dance recital that they go to. That's entirely an exposition scene yeah. with Walter explaining stuff, mm. but we're watching a dance recital, yeah. so it's it's a bit easier to take. Oh, and it's better than, I agree, the, the, the Thulis stuff I don't think works at all. Um, he's very annoying in him he is I suppose he's meant to be but I, d- I just don't like it yeah. so the fight in the car park I think is absolutely fucking hilarious because <clears throat> two just two little things the dude offering the nihilist four dollars I think he's just brilliant but also it's when Walter shows Donnie some kindness mm. so he takes his you know he puts his, Donnie's scared and he's like he says no these men are cowards and it's just <laughs> so sweet like he doesn't tell him to shut the fuck up he's finally like we can handle this uh, and I just I love and, that. and also one of them's flee from the red hot chilli yeah. peppers which is kind of cool <laughs> Yeah. Do you know the woman who actually cuts her toe off from that gang? Mm. Um, that's Amy Mann. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes, I did. <laughs> Good. I could tell, by the way. You went, yep. Yep. Knew that. <laughs> Got yep. that. Got that. So it's, it's, a, it's sad. We, we should know what's coming, though, because if you've noticed, a lot of the bowling scenes have started with Donnie hitting a strike. Yeah. And he hits a strike and he hits a strike. And this is the first time he doesn't hit a strike. And, and yeah, so you something's off. Ominous. Something's off. So Donnie dies. Um, which I weirdly I knew because let's get this done because this is just the scattering of the ashes scene so I mean this I can't believe you feel like that every the first time I saw it because I'm not as I said at the start because I haven't I'm not invested anyone in anyone Donnie is certainly the most sympathetic of the three characters um, but like you know what I'm like the tears are waiting to come. I want to feel something. I'm ready to emote. Yeah. Nothing. I didn't know. I, I mean that the <laughs> I visual gag yeah, of the ashes blowing into <laughs> oh, his face. Oh, that's funny. I, I can't laugh believe so no hard. one had done that before. Yeah, it hurts me to watch. I laughed so hard. I, 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 I laughed. done it before. I laughed really hard this time. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to laugh that no, hard. It gets me Sitting on my own. Time. But yeah, it's just a brilliant, it's a brilliant gag, especially because of, you know, the speech that you've just heard where he's gone off on one again about Vietnam. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, that's the joke. Yeah. We've heard that enough times. And no, <laughs> that wasn't the joke. It's this. I love it. Have you ever scattered ashes over a cliff edge? Because I fucking have. And let me tell you, it is no longer has this fucking seriousness oh, it deserves. <laughs> I've done it. And it's oh. it's awful because the people I was with, she hadn't seen the Big Lebowski. Everybody else has. <laughs> what are you fucking elbowing her in the side? Going, it's fucking like the Big Lebowski. It's horrible because we're all trying to be sad. But if someone starts to smirk, everyone's going to start to smirk. But you're trying to be sad, and everyone and all it takes is someone say, "I fucking hope that wind doesn't pick up." <laughs> it's so bad. What was that shit about Vietnam? <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> but that's. I mean, the first time I saw the scene, I'd never scattered ashes outside, and I still laughed my head off. But now. 
I no longer can scatter ashes, but also it still makes me laugh. It hurts my sides. I laugh that much. It's so I think it's really funny. But anyway, the the hook, which I know you don't like. Um, Walter is really sorry about what he's done. Genuinely, he seems sorry to me about um, fucking up with the wind and banging on about Vietnam. And then he just grabs the dude. And that to me is two men in grief suddenly deciding to put all the differences aside and all the stuff and whatever and connect. And it, they're like children. I think Donnie's wearing, not Donnie, I think Walter's wearing shorts, which kind of helps. Yeah, the movie, yeah. 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 So he, they look like children and... Then he just says, fuck it, let's go bowling. And so to me, because we've done all these tropes of men, you know, we've done the sort of slacker stoner dude and the cowboy and the private dick and all that. Now they're like boys, but in the nicest possible way, because I think they're saying to each other, we're never going to break friends. So fuck it, let's just stop arguing and go and do our thing. It's little things, though, because Walter really hugs the dude in that scene. Yeah. And the dude does not hug Walter back. He tolerates him. Now, sure, he's just been covered in ash, but Walter, for the first time, has just embraced him and dropped all the bullshit and the Mm. bravado. And the dude just pats him on the back like, I can't wait for this to be over. And you feel like, actually, if you'd hugged him back there, like really sort of gone, actually, Walter's my friend and, you know, I clearly, you know, I should hug him back in that moment. He's he's allowed to be annoyed with him. I think he is uh, annoyed with him. And then all it takes is for Walter to say, come on, dude, fuck it, man, let's go bowling. Yeah. And then he's back. Mm. He's, he's, I mean, he's got every right to be upset. Yeah. Not only for the ashes, but for the Vietnam speech. So I don't blame him for not going the hug at that point, but he's back within 10 seconds. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, and I think as well, the emotion at the end, so now we're sort of at the end that, you know, the dude abides and he's, he's at the bowling alley for the semis. He seems to have cleaned up a little bit, a tiny little bit. And then there's the cowboy and the way the emotional, like the dude seems lifted because it feels like he's healed his wounds with Walter. Yeah. And there's a little Lebowski on the way. And then we just move. We just leave them to it. And we've spent time with these people and we've dropped in on their life mm-hmm. and what a ride it's been. And that's it. And then it's on like we life. go. It's, it's like, like life. I, I don't know why when you just said the dude abides. I to... <laughs> yeah. Because I think <laughs> I hate that line. I, I hate just... it. I, I just, I don't like, I know it's his character, but people referring to themselves in the third person, um, especially with a nickname, is something that, I, you know, I can't abide. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, now, when I watched Jeff it... Jeff Dow, was... it's based on a true guy who yeah, calls himself I, the dude. Yeah, who I haven't met, I probably wouldn't like if he goes, I hey, the like... dude, the dude's in the town, the dude's here, it's like, fuck off! <laughs> Will you call yourself the Zane when you've no, had a I couple do, of beers? No, I do, this is not true. <laughs> Why are you pointing like I've never had a drink with you? I, I know you do. My... Come on, Zane Meister. I call myself the big AZ. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. If you're not into the whole brevity thing, <laughs> Look, you can't help but quote Big Lebowski. Love it. Uh, that's it. We're, we, we, I'm, I'm, I think we should start talking about this film. That's it from me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I mean, some interesting uh, stuff. I mean, I found there was a guy who wrote a, a book, one of the Cohen's uh, friends. Uh, his name is something Robertson. Anyway. He, um, he talks about why he thinks the dude has really connected with young people. Mm. And it is, it's the idea that it's okay to be a loser so long as you're a good person. This idea that, you know, he's smart, but he's a failure mm-hmm. in the eyes of society. He sort of opted out, but he's yeah. a good person. And th- that ethos about the dude, I really like, I think there's something about his simple life and the simple life he leads and bowling and being good to his friends, going to his landlord's dance recital, all of that. Like there's a simplicity to it that I really want to get on board with because I think there's something hugely appealing about that in this 
fucking hectic, like constantly like stimuli world that we live in. I just wish I liked the character more. Mm-hmm. I really just wish. And I, it does genuinely puzzle me. The fact that people adore the dude and like the dude, like the, it has generated this huge following for that character. And, yeah. you know, people go, oh, Jeff Bridges almost is the dude in real life. And you're like, he's not. He's not the dude in real life. And even he sort of goes, yeah, I mean, I'm really laid back, but I'm not <laughs> the dude. I, I just, I think, I think what sums it up most, I'll, I'll do it in my change. Okay. All right, we will do the bits, shall we? Let's do it. Great. All right, so uh, Chris, what was your best scene? Oh, I was flip-flopping. I've been flip-flopping. Why are you grinning so much? (laughs) You love this movie. (laughs) Yeah, but I've been flip-flopping over my favourite scene. I know, but it's the excitement on your face. Like You're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to pick. Because I knew I was going to pick, and then that ending made me laugh so much this week. But I can't switch it around, so it's got to be the introduction of Jesus, because I do... Get super jacked when it's coming on. I'm can't. I'm. I'm just. I get excited. Um, and it's funny reading about it. He thought it was going to be a big part when he was reading the script because they keep talking about him. Yeah. And then he appears on screen and he set up as a big character. He's he not so. So that's why he decided. He said to take it to the outer limits. Uh, he said I threw in the kitchen sink with the nail, the shining, <laughs> the lick on the day. Um, he so, said he felt a bit embarrassed, didn't he? The first time he saw it, he thought, "Oh my god, I've gone too far." <laughs> Takes the roof off the place. So yeah, Jesus's introduction, Hotel California, and I love that version of <laughs> Hotel yeah. California as well. And you. It's so funny considering how we began this episode Mm. with Chris and I sharing a brain Mm. and then we've clearly had some conflict, Mm. healthy conflict, and now we're back to sharing a brain because for every single one of those reasons, Mm. that is my favourite scene. It's the Gypsy King's version of Hotel Mm. California when it comes on and it's the little, after he gets the strike and he walks back and then he reverses and does that (laughs) little dance back towards the aisle. I'm like, this is gold. He was saying sometimes you do little things with a character you're not sure if it's going to make it into the film and he said I was surprised when I watched it that every single thing I did got in I didn't think they'd all get in <laughs> mine is obviously a scattering the ashes scene it's, Great. it's so 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 funny and poignant yeah. um, lovely what's your most valuable whatever Alex <laughs> um, uh, my valuable most valuable whatever initially it was going to be Goodman uh, and then I just as I said earlier mm. like about halfway through I was like this is just the same over and over and over and over and so uh, he went off the boil I don't think I can uh, pick um, John Turturro I, I want to but he's just not in it enough and I've picked him for my best scene so I can't have him so I think I'm going to have Philip Seymour Hoffman um, mm. as Brandt who's obviously in it a lot more yeah <laughs> He's in it a little bit more, like by about seven seconds. But those seven seconds are important. So Philip Seymour Hoffman as Brand, I just think mm. it's like with with so little, like there is not a moment, a second he's on screen that he doesn't wring everything from. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I'm going to say, again, this is a tricky one because there's a lot of people to choose from here, but I'm going to go with Jeff Bridges. Um as Alex said, it's a performance so good people think it's actually him, but it isn't. He's acting. But um, I will say, I think I think every line reading is incredible, but I think this is a blessing and a curse because Jeff Bridges spoke quite clearly before he made this film. Uh-huh. And now <laughs> and he mumbles in this film and he mumbles in True Grit. I mean, it's brilliant. he's brilliant in it, but he, he mumbles in Hell or High Water. He's brilliant in it. Um, he mumbles in Crazy Heart. He won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. So it's working, <laughs> but I wish he would speak a bit clearer and I blame the dude. 
Well, mine is John Goodman because Excellent. he, I mean, for the, as an actor to deliver the script, that opening scene, that Aaron Sorkin style or the other way around, um, the delivery of all the swearing, it's it's balletic. It's incredible. But also just Walter, you know, I, he contains multitudes, that man. And mm. I do mean what I said about, you know, when you try and connect with someone who is completely different to you, I think, you know, we could all learn from that and learn a bit more tolerance and the rest of it. Walter is not my sort of person. I am not a neocon gun lover, but I love Walter. So mm. that shows me something, you know. You, want, I want to help him. I want to help him with his anger management also, issues. I also want He's to hang a character out with him a bit. in a movie, though, and you can never fully, like, <clears throat> I think if you met Walter in real life, mm. you know, you're staring at Alex Jones, and we all know how you feel about Alex Jones. Yeah, I hate Alex Jones. There you go. Yeah, I would I would not be nice to that man there you go. if I met him. So I think you've got to accept that, yes, Walter... But that's what I meant before. Walt, where, I can't remember what it was like when we watched this in, mm. like, the early noughts. But Walter now looks looks all right. Like Alex Jones is the worst person ever in the world ever, mm. and fuck him to death. But Walter looks okay. That's how you kill him. <laughs> <laughs> really? You've got oh, a gun. You got a gun. No. You have Victoria. No, nope, I'm going to fuck him to death. Alex, don't say it again. <laughs> Would I? Let me think about it. Okay. Because yeah. he'd hate it, he, so that's he, good. He'd hate it. You'd, but that, that's where you start. I'd hate it is where you should start. <laughs> I know um, I'm going to be really bad as well. I know based on my history with this film, my dad was excited to listen to this episode. Oh, I'm, no. I'm really sorry, Ted. I'm sorry, Ted. <sighs> so, yeah, Vicky. This, that's not my fault. Every time <laughs> oh, I think Oh, my I'm, God, it's your fault. Because sometimes I think I'm going to get an invitation to like a Ted Tilly sure. sh- like It'll bash, happen. It'll happen. And it's not going to happen anymore because I'm getting... Led into these traps. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> what was I saying? Something about having sex with Alex Jones. <laughs> no, you, you you picked John Goodman. Yes. Anyway, I just I think we could all learn a little bit more tolerance, yes. and they... and it is inspirational. It, it the world's changed, but it is inspirational to think that maybe somewhere out there these three people could still be friends. Yes, that's what I mean. They love each other, and that's enough. Mm. Okay, what would you change, Alex? Oh, a lot. Um, a lot. I guess just because I think I've covered most of the things I change, I'm going to do something silly. And they do make me feel sick every time I see them on screen. Like, genuinely, I feel nauseous when I <gasps> see those plastic sandals. Those oh. fucking jelly sandals that the okay. dude wears. I think possibly subconsciously that is part of the reason that I can't ever love the dude as much people because those shoes are awful I do have another change but I know I feel like Chris is going to go that's not in the movie but it is to do with the movie so I'm going to do it anyway and I just think it's so hilarious like the amount of love that people thrust upon this movie and the character that do this anti-establishment anti-capitalist 60s throwback and of all the things that the dude could ever do that would sort of undermine this movie and maybe shut down Lebowski Fest would possibly to be the dude in a Stella Artois Super Bowl commercial advertising Stella Artois, which is what the dude did. Jeff Bridges tweeted going, I've been away too long or something. And everyone's (laughs) like, is it a big Lebowski sequel? Oh my God, the dude's coming back. And then actually, no, it wasn't. He was advertising Stella Artois at the Super Bowl in an advert with um, 
uh, Sarah, what's her name, from uh, Sex and the City? Jessica Park. Jessica Park. Sarah Jessica Park from Sex and the City. She has, she goes, I don't want a cosmopolitan. She doesn't drink Stella, Jesus. No, but that's the joke. <laughs> the joke is she they, they start bringing a cosmopolitan over to her in a fancy restaurant. And she goes, actually, you know what? I'll have a Stella Artois. People drop plates. Everyone's like, oh, my God. Then the dude walks in and they've got a white Russian ready for him. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to go for a Stella Artois. And then he sits down and her and Sarah Jessica Parker goes, oh, a good choice. And he and it, he literally delivers this line like someone from Stella Artois is holding his family hostage <laughs> off camera or they're holding the biggest sack of fucking money in the world. <laughs> I think it's that. <laughs> Probably. And he go, and like you can see him not want to do it. Like he's committed, but he didn't really think through <clears throat> what it would be like on the day. And he sits there and he goes, the dude abides. Oh. And you're like, you poor, poor, very rich man. <laughs> Awful. So, uh. And they don't even have him ask. Like, <clears throat> even, the best thing would be if he'd gone to the barkeep, uh, I'll have an oat soda. Like, use the line from the movie and they give him a Stella Artois. And he's like, actually, this is good. Yeah. But he actually says a Stella Artois, but he purposefully mangles Artois. That's the, that's the most counterculture thing he does. He goes, Artois or something. And you're just like, <laughs> fuck this. Fuck the dude. This is brilliant. <laughs> this is brilliant because it undermines this movie. Okay. Okay. That was a lot, wasn't it? It was a lot. <laughs> I was just amazed that Alex couldn't find anything in the film he wanted to change. <laughs> he had to look elsewhere. <laughs> it's fine. That's how um, you're spinning it. It's it just happened. Um, there's quite a lot of stuff I don't like in this film. I don't like Maud. Yeah. Don't find her funny. Don't enjoy the scenes where she's on scene, uh, on screen, and that spoofing of the, this feminist art movement. I don't think that works very well. The nihilist. I don't find the spoofing of nihilism. Well, I couldn't believe I, in all the interviews I read. They're like, well, so the Coens, you introduce nihilism to America. It's like the there's, every interview I've read really suggests that no one knew what nihilism was <laughs> or is before the Coens did it in the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Night which blew my mind like it's not that hard to get your head round no and the, the jokes with them all feel a bit obvious so I don't like any of that stuff um, but I think there's a larger problem in the film it's it, it tied in with Maud is women I think there's a problem with the Coen brothers in general and women in their films and I think Marge in Fargo has given them a pass for life yeah yeah as it were yeah. I was going to say and, and, and so I think they need to do better and I've talked about this before uh, that what Kim came up with balls for boobs yeah I think we see a lot of female nudity in this film a lot of tits um, there's it, a lot of you know it's a lot of about women in bikinis and all this kind of thing I think we need some cock in this film or some balls or Great. a bum you nearly get it because the dude mm, shorts are so loose yeah. and he's stretched out in the back of a limo and I thought you're definitely going to see at least one testicle but no. I hate saying it about the Coen brothers but this film feels very male gazy and I think you could yeah I guess I guess we do get a little bit of um, Julianne Moore, but I just mean it's sort of I feel like it's it does feel like the male gaze. Let's have some female gaze in Coen Brothers films. Yeah, I mean my change is in line because I don't love Maud, but if she's going to be in it, then she needs to properly finish the film because she just sort of disappears. Mm. So I think given that we know she's pregnant because the cowboy has said. She, you could give her a whole coder, you like even a post-credit thing where you see someone who has declared themselves to be strongly vaginal prepare for birth or have a birth mm. because like, you could do, you could give her a lot of power in that scene, but it, or also you could make people laugh. Like it would be funny, not to undermine her vaginal work, but to see her like being brilliant and giving birth or something, something, something. Could you have her sitting with her little Lebowski? Yeah, and it's it's drinking milk from a glass with ice in. <laughs> um yes thank no. you <laughs> uh that's it isn't it yeah that's it i'm just looking yes that is it wonderful that's stuff you 
That is me. Thank yeah. you very much. Wake up. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. Um, right then. Kingpin versus the Big Lebowski. It's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! Ooh, right. So, uh, Chris, this falls on your week. So, who would you like to go first or second? Nope. <laughs> nope. It's your week. It's your week. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, great. Did you, See, you, would know, you would know this stuff if you, if you showed up. Yeah. Ah, I, was, I told you. I was very hot last week, <laughs> so I couldn't come in. Uh, all right, then. Um, let's. I think, well, uh, we'll start with the easy one. Let's do Victoria first. Okay, so I won't mess around. Um, the Big Lebowski, because Kingpin made me laugh more than I remembered laughing first time round, and I do think that Woody Harrelson gives it a level of, like, relatability. No, not relatability. Uh, striving for empathy that I wasn't that I didn't remember from the first viewing but I do honestly find I, I don't love the dude that much like I think stoners are annoying basically because you can't get much sense out of them and there's a lot of repetition mm. but I think the film overall feels a lot like meditation and it, I just find it joyful especially when we lift at the end and we don't actually get even though I've just said that thing about Maud it, these strands are left hanging because you've dropped in and then you come back out again and I, I do find that very life affirming Sorry. So, the big Lebowski. Is it a meditation or is it like an LSD flashback, the whole thing? Lines keep repeating themselves as well. I think he is having flashbacks. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we've stopped talking about the film. So, I'll go next, I think, today. Mm. Uh, Kingpin um, was a lot of fun. And I think beneath the gross-out gags, there beats the heart of a very sweet movie about three outcasts bonding together and finding happiness. I will say, I did like the big Lebowski much more this time but I do still think it's very self-indulgent. And as I said before, you know, when you've got Joel Cohen saying in 2009, that movie has more of an enduring fascination for other people than it does for us. I think there's some truth in that. Um, That said, some of the Big Lebowski's writing is absolutely gobsmacking. Ultimately, for me, it goes to the movie that I got the biggest emotional response from. I was most invested in the characters' outcomes uh, because ultimately, isn't that why we watch films? And so, therefore, while the Coens aim high and the Farrelly's aim low, <laughs> they aim low with more heart. It's Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Christopher! Well, I'll keep it brief as well because I love Kingpin and if you asked me 20 years ago, to pick my favourite of these two films, I'm obviously picking that. But times have changed. I'm I'm less of an idiot. And so, um, yeah, The Big Lebowski, I think it's hilarious. I think it's timeless. I think it's endlessly rewatchable. And even though there are characters and scenes that I don't think I'll ever like, um, I think it's a masterpiece. So I'm going for King... I mean, Big Lebowski. <laughs> Big Lebowski is the winner this week. Do you mean you're not a child anymore? Are you saying that you have to be a child like Kingpin? Apparently you do. Id- idiot. No, not an idiot. <laughs> Nettie did turn to me as I was watching the fight in the car park between Vanessa Angel mm. and Woody Harrelson. She went, I was just... I was cracked up. And she went... She went you're going to be 14 forever. <laughs> so, to which you say no. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? It's funny. This is funny. Oh, I can't believe we've got to watch The Big Lebowski after this. So there we go. The Big Lebowski is the winner this week, but Clash Brothers In Control continues next week with another of your picks. Chris, what was the clue you gave on Monday and what are the films? Uh, my clue was Gangsters from Paradise. Mm-hmm. And for... These fanuary picks. No. Uh, Vicky, uh, you have got 
Scarface and Alex. <laughs> Double thumbs up. <laughs> for, the, for, for those not watching us live. <laughs> acting like she's surprised. <laughs> and Alex, you have got Carlita's Way. Yes, I do. So uh, both these films are on Netflix. Oh, really? Wonderful yes. news. Great stuff. Oh, Makes fantastic. In the UK anyway. Brilliant. So Scarface versus Carlito's Way. Big week. Big week next week. Yeah. Big, long big long week. week. <laughs> yeah. Punishing yeah. run times. I yeah. think I might be a bit hot. <laughs> <laughs> right then, so that is your homework. Carlito's Way and Scarface. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. And we will be back on Monday talking Scarface. Have a great weekend. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.